you know, uh, someone sent this to me, and I thought this was really good. That you, you, We know that COVID-19, that's out there, COVID, C-O-V-I-D. And I just wanted to begin by sharing this with you. Instead of it uh, being the coronavirus, what if it meant Christ offers victory in distress? COVID, Christ offers victory in distress. I love that. You may want to write that down and use that. Christ offers victory in distress. There's always more than one way to look at stuff. We, we have done a sermon on perspective, uh, which is very important. This whole series is called Focus, which we need to get our minds focused on the right things and the good stuff. And today we're going to do just that. Everything seems to be a mess in the world, doesn't it? Now look, I was looking forward to you being back to help me preach. Everything in the world seems to be a mess right now. Great, great, thank you. I need some help today. I've been struggling up here. It's time, Miss Rebecca, for, for y'all to help me preach a little bit. We look at the news and it seems like every day something else is happening. Something else is, is causing division and things are going south and things are being burned. And it just seems like stuff is absolutely out of control. Amen? It seems like when we get on Facebook or social media, we, we see people's opinions and their thoughts, and some are on the left, some are on the right, some are trying to go down the middle, but they're being attacked anyway. It seems like everywhere we look, there's division. Can I just throw this out to you? What if you did one week without the news and social media? Why don't you try that? I guarantee you, your perspective next Sunday when you walk in this room, you'll probably have a bigger smile on, on your face. Because the news is going to do nothing but tell you about all the bad and all the wrong, and they're going to, going to put stuff out there to make you think something. But I got news for you. It may look bad on the outside, but Jesus Christ wins in the end. He's still going to be victorious. Now, what would it be like if Jesus was in your living room during the week? What would it be like if He watched the news with you? What would it be like if Jesus was to be right next to you as you were on social media? What would it be like? Would you change what you do? Would you change the station? Would you decide, well, I'm not going to listen to this commentary just simply because Jesus is right there next to you? Uh, I hate to tell you, but he, He's already there. So it's not like we have to pretend. But if He was physically in your living room or in your car, or what if Jesus was holding your phone and He was to look at Him? How would our attitudes change? Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 today. Philippians chapter 2. Dallas Willard said, what would it be like if Jesus lived in your life right now? I think that is a great, great question. And we have a challenge today in Philippians chapter 2 to bring us to a place where we can see Jesus in anything and everything in our life. Because we are faced with division everywhere. We live in a country called the United States of America, but it seems like we're more divided than ever. We're not only divided in our streets, but we're divided in our homes and we're divided in our churches. It's the very ones that sit in the, the watching preachers and singing these songs we sang today that are at the center of divisions and things going on in our country. And I got news to tell you, you have been duped. You're being used by the, uh, by, as a pawn of Satan. The enemy is trying to still kill and destroy and he's using Christians to do it. We have to be careful. 
So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 11. Paul writes these words to this church at Philippi. This is a cosmopolitan area. There's lots of diversity in this city. And so when you walk down the street, you're not going to just see one kind of person. You're going to see multiple kinds of people. You're going to see multiple religions within that cosmopolitan area. And Paul writes these words to the church that is right there. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves." Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interests of others. He goes on to say, as soon as I find my place again. Oh, there we go. Verse 5. Thank you. I'm getting old, okay? Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being formed in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, Come on, church, we like this one. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, I pray you take this word today and that you multiply it by your Holy Spirit, that it penetrates our hearts to a point that it changes our mind and changes our actions. May we no longer be used by the enemy as a pawn to create division, to create unrest and be unsettled. May we be be the catalyst. God's people be the catalyst to unite and come together. Father, we'll use this scripture now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look at this, I want us to really talk about not just unity and coming together, but biblical unity. So keep your word out. I want you to have the word of God in front of you so that you can see these these words that are there. Because you can listen to my voice and you can walk away unchanged. But when you look at the word of God, you should not walk away unchanged, but transformed. So I want you in the word and looking right now as we dive into these verses. The very first thing about biblical unity I want us to get a hold of. Biblical unity is not about you. It's not about me. Biblical unity is centered on Jesus. Biblical unity is centered on Jesus. That's the first thing for you to write down today. Biblical unity is centered on Jesus. I just read 11 verses, and what was those 11 verses about? Somebody just tell me. Come on, it's it's pop quiz. Begins with J and ends with Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. 
Those 11 verses are about Jesus. It's, it is centered on Jesus. As we live our life, Jesus must be the center of our life. If we want to see unity back in our streets, then we have to get Jesus back in our streets instead of just in our homes or just in our churches. We have to get Jesus at the center if we're going to see biblical unity take place. There's four statements here that recall the blessings of being a Christian and in a Christian community. There's the first statement. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any encouragement in Christ. I don't know about you, but we need a little encouragement right now, don't we? We need some encouragement. We can talk about how good each other looks and we can talk about how good it is to see each other and that is true and that is fine. But when we are encouraged in Jesus Christ, we have a whole new level of hope in our life. If there is any encouragement in Christ, there's the first statement. That's that's the unity. That is the thing that, that it, 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 it pulls it to. As a matter of fact, it is Jesus who prayed on his last day on earth. His last time when he was a man, before he was crucified, he prayed. And he said, Lord, let them be one as I and you have been one. It is about being one. Somebody say one. one. All right. The second phrase here. The second is the blessing of comfort from His love. If there is any consolation of love, there's comfort from who? From not just love in general. I mean, yesterday I watched, I watched a man and a woman stand up here giddy like they were two teenagers. Mr. George and Rebecca, I declare you would think that they were like 13 and 14 or something. The way they carry on on Facebook, the way they hold hands, and, and they're always giddy, giddy, giddy. And they're in love, and it's so beautiful to see that. But the greatest love is that of Jesus Christ and how He sacrificed His life for us so that we may be what? One with God. We may be united with Him. Somebody say one. The third one is this. He said, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit. Fellowship of the Spirit. That, that word Spirit there actually is referring to the Holy Spirit. Not just the Spirit of man or the Spirit of something going on. It is the Holy Spirit. Fellowship of the Spirit. We can have fellowship when we have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are. It doesn't matter what culture we've come from. It doesn't matter our economic background. All that matters is that when we have the Holy Spirit, we can have a fellowship like none other. It transcends language and it transcends money. It transcends experience. The Holy Spirit bonds us together in a way like nothing else can in this world. They can come out with all kinds of memes if they want to. They can come out with all kinds of hashtags. They can put stuff on Twitter and on Facebook, Dr. Jackson. But when you got the Holy Spirit implanted inside of you, there's going to be a change that takes place. And there's going to be unifying. There's going to be because there is a difference when Jesus is in the middle of the story. And so these three phrases today, we grab hold of these because Paul is pleading. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, if there's any affection and compassion, it's almost like he's pleading a case here. Tenderness and compassion. If there's any of that, and it can only be experienced through Jesus. Notice that through this whole scripture that we read today, it's about Jesus, how he emptied himself. He left heaven and he came to earth. It's the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not just simply come to heal people. He didn't just simply come to give us an example of how to love one another. He came to redeem the world, a lost world. He came to make a difference so that we may have relationship with the Father. 
That's why Jesus came. And that's what we hold on to in knowing that, that this scripture reveals he's always been. He's always existed with God. Jesus is eternal. He's not been created. He wasn't just simply born. He's always been, Mr. Craig, with God the Father. He was equal with God. He is one with God. He is God. We see that in these verses. So we see the appeal that Paul has here. Now let's look at the essence. The essence of what it is that Paul is writing here. Verse number 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one, one purpose. Now as you read this, you immediately begin to think, well... The Bible says I'm supposed to think like everybody else. i got to believe the same thing everybody else believes, and I just can't do that. That is not what same mind means. Because remember, this is in the context of Jesus. He is at the center of this, and if you remove him, you can remove the real essence of truth of what Paul is teaching. Being of the same mind. Whose mind do you think we're supposed to have? Your neighbor's? We need to stop trying to change our neighbor's mind and get our mind more like Jesus Christ and we won't have to worry about our neighbor and what they're saying and doing. Our mind needs to be the mind of Jesus. So here, being of the same mind is having a mindset that lines up with Jesus Christ. It's not having a mindset that lines up with a particular group. Not even the church. Do not try to get your mind lined up with the church because you'll get pulled away from Jesus. Get your mind the same as Christ. Same mind. Maintaining the same love. What love? That love that Jesus has shown. We are to have the love of Christ which includes truth and includes compassion. It includes grace. It includes mercy. That is what we are to have. We are to have the same mind as Christ, the same love as Christ, maintaining it, which means it takes work, don't it, Tim? The word maintaining means we gotta, we got to work at it. I don't know about you, but the myth that if you stop eating fast food, food, you'll lose weight, that's a myth. We've all figured that out. I've talked to a lot of people who could not go get anything to eat, who couldn't go through a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant during this quarantine, and they said, I've gained a whole bunch of weight. So that idea, if you just stop eating at a fast food restaurant, you'll lose weight, is not really true. But what we have to do here is see that the same love, maintaining that same love, takes work. It takes intentionality, just like maintaining weight. We just don't happen to stay in shape, do we? How, how many of you, I just want to know, how many of you exercise in some form or fashion? Okay, I need you to call me tomorrow morning about 9 o'clock or send me a text and tell me to get off my lazy tail and go walking or something. I need to start exercising. It takes work, doesn't it? You have to intentionally maintain that exercise. That love of Christ takes an intentionality. It just doesn't come natural. It doesn't come natural. So let's look on. United in spirit. What unites us? It's the Holy Spirit. That spirit of love and Christian uh, ideas of Jesus. That is what we focus on. And here's the key thing. Intent on six purposes. Is that what your scripture says? How many purposes does your scripture say? 
Ms. Lisa, I'm sure in your Bible, it, it has to say something, and I bet it doesn't say six. I bet it says what, Ms. Lisa? This Lisa says it says one. What does it say? Intent on how many purposes? One purpose. Somebody say one. One. Not two, not one and a half. One. Intent on one purpose. Now let's think about this. The mind of Christ with that maintaining that same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Biblical unity is purpose-driven and not people-driven. Biblical unity is about a purpose that's bigger than you and I. It is about an idea that goes beyond your neighbor or someone else's opinion. Biblical purpose is all about who? Jesus. When we are intent on that one purpose, everything can change. That one purpose, this scripture reveals that purpose. God was there and Jesus left heaven and came to earth to be born. He lived as a man so that He could take our place. And He died upon a cross because of our sins, my sins. So that I could live with God in eternity if I simply ask Him to forgive me and take over my life. His purpose, the purpose of Jesus was not to make everyone happy. His purpose was not the opinions of other people, but the souls of men and women and boys and girls. That was His purpose. So as this scripture is pointing us to, biblical unity is being of the one purpose of seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ transform lives. It's not about being people-driven, but purpose-driven. Here's the expression of that when it works out in the flesh. We can see this in verse number 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I'm here to declare to you today that what we're talking about is not based on my opinion, and you shouldn't do it because I'm standing up here as a pastor telling you about it. You should do it because Paul wrote right here, this is God's Word, written in black and white. He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I didn't write the letter, I'm just the male person delivering it today. We need to have it because Jesus had it. Whether we like it or whether we don't, we got to grab hold of it. Biblical Biblical unity comes from the core of who we are. Who we are has got to be centered and founded and grounded upon Jesus Christ and nothing else. And when that is the case, biblical unity can take place. There's nothing superficial about it. There's not just simply a goal there that we set on a piece of paper, but there's an attitude that is expressed right here in Scripture. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but regard one another as more important than yourselves. 
What would happen if we served one another even greater? What would happen if we knew each other by name and that we could call each other by name and we knew things about one another? I tell you what, the friends, when, when I have friends that we know each other really well, that is a great relationship, right? I know you've got friends that way. That's what this is about is, is getting to know people, getting to be a part of their life. Paul expressed this so that they could grab hold of the understanding of the importance of that one purpose. Because it is very clear if there's one thing the enemy wants to do, he wants to divide us. He wants to divide our churches. He wants to divide our communities. He wants to divide our homes. He wants to divide people against people. I heard a great story this week about someone who was on Facebook and someone was commenting and they wanted to go back at them and they were just like, man, I've got some great things. I want to tell this person. And so they actually stopped for a moment, listened to the Bible study Wednesday night. And when they got done with the Bible study, they understood the enemy wants to divide. And he said, you know what I did? I let it go. He said, I just let it go. I was not going to be used by the devil to create more division because there are some people who really want to listen to truth. But there's a lot of people, all they want to do is tell you what they think and they want to divide and they want to, d- to steal and to kill. They, they just want to mess everything up. For those who really want to be in a conversation, get in a conversation. But be careful not to be drawn into those, those places where all people want to do is argue and fight and divide. Those are the times that we go, you know what? They just need Jesus (laughs) they just need Jesus so we need to express Jesus in everything we do so what is really needed what is needed what the world needs Laura go (laughs) love sweet love what the world needs now is love sweet love I'll stop. I'm sorry. James, <laughs> Tim says, thank you. Thank you for stopping. That's good. Uh, <laughs> when I hear the words, what the world needs, that immediately pops in, into my head. Probably, how many of you, when I said what the world needs, now you thought, love, sweet love. I mean, it's just ingrained in us because there was a song many years ago that that was the song. And that's, that's what we sang. We listened to it on the radio. And, 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 you know, that's exactly what the devil wants us to think. That it's simply just about, let's just love one another. Let's just love one another. What the world needs is love. Let me tell you what the world needs. Write this down. What the world needs is a united church looking like Jesus and intent on one purpose. That's what the world needs. The world needs the church to be united together across all of our ideas, opinions, cultures, our ages, our generations. We need to be united and we need to be looking like Jesus. They need to be looking at us going, what in the world, Derek, is going on over there? We look around us in our communities and it's a mess. But at that place, you see all these people with different ideas and they're just loving each other like it's a family. That's what the world needs to see. Because what makes a difference is Jesus. When we are intent on that one purpose, to see the gospel of Jesus penetrate the hearts of people, then things can change. Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples. How? Because of the love you have for one another. How you treat each other. He said that in John chapter 13. 
Verse 35. The beauty of the church, as beautiful as this room is, and as beautiful as the cross is behind me and, and how it's lit up, and I think that cross up there in the baptismal is now the centerpiece of this room, and I love that. And as beautiful as that is, it's not what makes this room beautiful right now. What makes this room beautiful is all of you sitting in this room right now. So turn to your left and see the beauty. Turn to your right and see the beauty that is in this room. This room is beautiful because of the people who are in it. That's what makes church beautiful. The wall is pretty too, isn't it, Craig? Over there, <laughs> he turned off. All he could see was the wall. But you know, it is the people that make the church beautiful. And it's when we are together. I thank God that we're able to get back together. God never intended us to do virtual church forever. He intended us to be part of a family. You know, it is amazing what God has done in the midst of all this. We have people in other states watching our services, sending in tithes, sending in prayer requests, being part of our congregation now. Because they can't find a place to connect where they are. We thank God that the gospel is being spread all over the world. And I want us to be the catalyst that people will look at and go, what's going on over at Chicopee? Because those people just seem to love each other like I've never seen before. And it's simply because, not because some of us dress and look as good as Chad, but because some of us, some of us are just rough around the edges. And yet we're loved anyway. Some of us are just, we know we're not perfect and we've messed up. But you know that when you get to Chicopee Baptist Church, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to push you away. doesn't matter where you've come from, where you're going, what the, what the color of your skin is, what, what you drove, or if you walked up to the door. The bottom line is, we want to love you and we want Christ to transform your life so that when you leave, you're different. All ages, from children all the way up to you, to our more experienced congregation. Do you like that, Lanny? The more experienced con congregation? I like that. Miss Wayne liked that a lot, too. Did you know that sadly, churches that experience disunity are in conflict and turmoil? They are generally filled with people who are looking out for their own personal needs. Those churches are filled with people who only see things their way who only want to talk about what they want. I'm thankful that this is a place that it's not simply about someone's opinions or thoughts, but that we all come together and make something. I can't tell you the number of people. The, uh, Pastor Chavez's church, there were some men that came and helped finish up this room. We, we've had people, of all kinds of people paint this room. All kinds of people helping around the, the church while we've been in this quarantine. That's the beauty of God's church. It transcends the culture's, culture's ideas because it's centered around who? Jesus. You know, here's the beautiful thing. The cross changes everything. The cross is what changes everything. This cross right here. I had somebody just last night at the wedding tell me how much they enjoyed that everywhere they look on the campus of Chicopee Baptist Church, there is a cross. 
We got a cross out here in the Welcome Center hanging up. We've got one right there. There's one on the front of this building. We've got three right out here in the back. They're, they're over at the youth building. They're on, on the office over there. There's crosses everywhere. It's because we believe that at the foot of the cross, there's not one person better than another. Every single person that approaches the cross of Jesus Christ is first a sinner in the need of grace. And every sinner that approaches the cross can receive that grace of Jesus Christ when they humbly just ask God to forgive them and take over their life. It doesn't matter what generation or their idea of music, their, their thought of, of preaching, their ideas of Bible translations, or nothing of that matter. It simply just means they need grace, they receive grace, and at that point, there's a unity that happens. That's, that's the thing that brings unity. It is the cross of Christ that led to His resurrection. There are many things that we can talk about today, but we cannot miss the point that Jesus is the one that can bring us together. I think the church is beautiful being back in this place, but what makes it so beautiful is the Holy Spirit that dwells in all of you and all of you here. Praise God for that today. The cross has made the difference. What must I do? What must we do? Number one, we need to know the purpose. We need to know the purpose and don't get persuaded to jump off the purpose. There's a lot of things that's going to pull you away from the purpose. But the purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The purpose is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. The purpose is we need to see this baptismal filled up every Sunday. And that begins with each of us having the attitude of Christ, as Paul writes about, sharing Jesus with others and telling them about Jesus and seeing the Holy Spirit transform lives. It's not just my job and duty, it's all of us. He didn't write this, it, it didn't say, therefore, Pastor Clyde, if there's any encouragement in Christ, he wrote it to all of us. You can put your name there. It's for all of us. Know the purpose. The purpose is to see people's lives transformed forever. And the second one that's very clear that he writes in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is to act like Jesus. I dare you, I triple-double-dog dare you. Oh man, make sure we just get to the heart and the meat of it right there. Triple-double-dog dare you. I think that's the one you can't say no to. This week, as you're watching the news... Holy Spirit, remind the people of this question. Would I change the channel or think differently if Jesus was physically right here next to me? When you have your phone in your hand, or you're texting, or you're messaging, or something is going on in your life and you're having a conversation, if Jesus was to just stand right there next to you, how would you change? If you would change, you need to go ahead and change. Uh, you need to be thinking through because this is the essence of what this world needs is a united church intent on one purpose looking like Jesus Christ. That's what this world needs. So here's your challenge, and this is going to be a little different. 
What I just told you was not the challenge. The challenge is this. Catch someone this week reflecting this scripture and tell them. Catch someone this week who's got the attitude of Christ. Catch someone this week who, who is intent on one purpose. Catch someone this week, you go, you know what? They could have gone left, but instead they stayed straight. Catch someone this week and tell them about it. There's your seven-day challenge. Find someone this week that reflects Jesus as this scripture shows and tell them about it. Encourage them with that. You know what that means? It means you've got to be looking for it. And you know what that also means? You're probably going to notice it more in your life than you have before. So there's your seven-day challenge. This morning, as Gina comes, and as she begins to play, I know there's a lot that you have heard. There's a lot that has been said. There's a lot that we have talked about. There's a lot in these verses. But the one thing, somebody say one, is Jesus. Regardless of our age, regardless of our generation, regardless of our culture, Jesus is still Jesus. The Jesus in the 50s is still the Jesus in the, tw- in the 2020s. The Jesus that was there when the Red Sea was parted is still the same Jesus today. He is eternal. Jesus can make a difference. I'm not exactly sure where you may be or what you may be thinking in your life, what you have experienced. I don't know how God has dealt with you with this message today. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're watching online and you want to contact me and you need prayer, that information is on the screen. And right now, if you're in this room, if you need prayer, our deacons are going to come forward when I begin to pray. And I invite you to do the same. Come forward if you need prayer. When I start praying, don't delay. Receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. Come and ask for strength to deal with situations and problems that's going on in your family or in your life. If you want to just simply come and pray for our community, then would you come and make a commitment to live as Jesus has directed in this Scripture so that you may be a catalyst that will make a little bit of a difference. Will you do that? Please stand and I'm going to begin to pray. And you begin to move just as soon as I begin to pray. Heavenly Father, We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for the power of the cross that has brought to us the anointing and the strength of the Holy Spirit that can transform lives. Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we have not acted like Jesus. Lord, give us a resolve. That this is the day that we leave different than when we came. Lord, we pray right now if there's anyone that's watching online or anyone in this room who has not accepted Jesus Christ, who has not made that commitment, that this will be the moment. Because unity is only expressed when there is that sameness of spirit, that oneness of heart, that oneness of mind, and that has got to be brought through the Holy Spirit. 
So as they have been searching and looking for the answer, may they realize that it's only found in Jesus today. So if you do need to accept Christ, would you just simply ask Him to forgive you and take over your life right now? It's not any more complicated than that. You don't have to repeat after me. You don't have to say the right words. All you got to do is just ask God forgive me and take over my life. And let Him become your ruler and master. Father, I pray today that your word will penetrate hearts and minds and transform lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.